I have to say that the she is, pro- is sponsored in memory of Mr. Ger- Mr. Gerald Moskowitz by his family. Liu Nishmat Gershon Alter Ben The second thing I would like to say about, since it was mentioned here somehow, is that there's this wonderful shir on Baha'u'llah that was given by Rabbi Salomachik yeah. and which is in English. Written now. It's, it's, it's terrific, even though if I was listening to the shir today, if he was giving the shir today, I'd fight about it. But <laughs> it's a wonderful shir, the presentation is wonderful. It's wonderful to listen to him do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so you can get it if you Google or you go to Y.U. Torah there's, some, there's such a thing Y.U. Torah and then you can get it through the index and you can uh, either listen to it on your computer or download it you see I'm getting into all this lingo now you can download it and put it on your phone or on your whatever you use to listen to music it's also in print in the new volume of... Oh, yeah, and, uh, and Rabbi Besden. No. Yeah. No? It's in Besden, but the full version was just printed in, um, in the newest book of the Rav, the um, Visions of... Heaven? No. Visions Terror? Of <laughs> yeah, the one about Death Moses. The one about Moses and jo- Joseph and Moses. Uh, Visions of Leadership. Okay, there you go. So you can either get it for free, that's my suggestion, or you can pay a hundred shekels for it. <laughs> so you just do, you know, take your choice. Okay, well I want to talk about, and this is what we're talking about tonight, the Rav also talks about. Right, so, uh, so it'd be interesting for you to listen after I give you this prep. I'll give you this prep on, on Rabbi Salavechik's position on the parish of Baalosko. He only did this once or twice, only once or twice that these recordings were put out. I have an old cassette, if anybody wants that, I'd be happy to give it to them. It's hard to find use for cassettes these days. So look, you see at the top of the sheet? The top of the sheet is copied from what we call a tikkun. A tikkun the Koran, that's where the, the boys who are going to read the Torah, now maybe the women, uh, <laughs> practice from. This is how you learn from a tikkun. So it's not exactly the way it appears in the Sefer Torah. Because in the Sefer Torah, various levels, have, letters, have kitarim, like three prongs, three prongs coming out of the top of the letter. In the tikkun, it doesn't have those prongs. So we just, it's, it's good enough to prepare Kriyata Torah. But it's not exactly what's written in the Torah. However, for us, it's good enough because we see these two psukim, these famous psukim by Ibn Aaron by Yosef Moshet, you may recognize this, uh, uh, these words because so everybody makes it to shul for singing by Ibn Aaron for some reason. I'm not sure why it's so attractive. Maybe they actually want to say bridge me. <laughs> you know, that's why they come to shul then. But uh, these two psukim appear in the parish of Baha'u'llotcha, surrounded by two nuns. You see the two nuns? Now, if you looked at a Korean Tanakh, you'd also see two nuns, but you might not notice that. But here, it's impossible not to notice that there are two nuns. Now, what you could say about these nuns is that they are backwards and upside down. 
The two each nun is backwards. It's, it's published backwards and upside down. And it's it's very difficult to understand what these nuns have to do with anything that's going on in the writing of the Torah. So I just want to tell you as an aside, there are places in the Torah where there are letters that have dots on them. And and uh, we know that dots, if you go to the pot uh, pot next to the Israel Museum, you know that next to Israel Museum there's a pot pot in which there are the Dead Sea Scrolls. Hmm. Yes? Yeah. You know you know that? Yeah. So if you go to the pot top and you look at the Isaiah manuscript, which in Hebrew is called Yeshayahu, but scholars like Isaiah makes them feel well educated. So the yeah, it's very so academic. So uh, you could see there are two Isaiah scrolls. One was was apparently good enough to be used in the Beit Knesset for Haftarot, and the other one is a less precise one. It's just not, you know, it's more, it was probably written for general consumption. A full discussion of this matter is found in, um, in uh, Kutcher, Professor Kutcher's book on the Isaiah scroll, which is available in English, and I think I translated most of it. So when I first came to Israel, I thought, still, when I first came to Israel, that you had to earn a living. So I did translations until I realized that you don't have to earn a living. And that earning a living is just a lot of trouble in Israel. You know, you just have to deal with a lot of people who are out to get you. But if you don't earn a living, you're fine. You're, you're, everything works out. You know, it's like the miracle of Israel. So in the Isaiah scroll and the other fragments that you see in the Patak building, very often letters have dots on them. And dots, writing a dot was the way they erased. You see, the problem was that in order to erase the ink in the, in the parchment, you'd have to take a knife and scratch it off. And that would leave an empty space. And they were afraid that somebody would come along and write something in that empty space and confuse everything. So it became much more a much more appropriate way of erasing to put a dot on the letter and not to erase the letters. The, in the Avot de Rabbi Natan, which is the concept of Pirkei Avot, the Avot de Rabbi Natan, uh, 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 God, uh, Ezra says, Ezra turns to God, Ezra is so fair, says, you know, there are some places in the Torah where I didn't know exactly what to put down. I didn't know which version was better. The version of this community, version of that community. So in those cases, I wrote the letters and I put dots on them. So if the letters belong there, I wrote them. And if the letters don't belong them, there, I put the dots on them. That's what the Avot Rabbi Nosson says in the name of Ezra HaSofer. Right, all of Rabbi Nosson was written by Tanoim. Tanoim, their historical period, right, of the first parak in Pirkei Avot, starts from Alexander the Great, who met with Shimon HaSadik, 
So that's about the 4th century BCE, that's 333, I remember that date for some reason. Was he born there? Did he die there? I think fourth, uh, 333 he died. I was there in grace. And that goes until 250, 250 of the common era, right? So it's like 500 years of Tanaim. And Ezra, when did Ezra live? Ezra lived when he came, he came back from Persia with the Jews who came in Aliyah in 586, 535 BCE. Okay? So that means from 535 until this was written down in the Tosefta, hundreds of years passed. No, exactly, but hundreds of years passed. So, <coughs> we have evidence from the Tosefta but we don't know exactly how historically accurate it is. But it, I imagine that if the Tosefta wrote it, it really thought that this, there was a process of cleaning things up, winnowing, changing, making it better, getting back to the original. Because when they were in the diaspora in Persia and Babylon, it was very difficult to maintain that standard. The standard of copying. I mean, you know, today... Uh, today we don't have that problem because we have a different problem. Well, we don't have that problem because everybody who writes a sefer Torah writes it from the same master text, which of course you can buy in a bookstore for forty shekel. This master text, because once printing came into the world, uh, then you could get the text right, but you still can't copy it right. You can't. And it was, it's not humanly, it doesn't seem to be humanly possible to copy a text as big as the Torah perfectly accurately. And so that if you take a Sefer Torah, if you take a Sefer Torah that was just written and checked over, and checked, they checked the Sefer Torah three times. You take a Sefer Torah just written, it was checked three times, you put it in the computer. Now the computer only distinguishes between Malay and Chatzet. Like when there's an extra Bab and when there's a missing Bab. There's an extra Yud and a missing Yud. That's the only thing the computer does. The computer, it seems, always finds mistakes. That means after the human being who wrote the Sefer Torah took all the care he could possibly take, and after it was checked over three times by other Sofrim, right, you're, you're, you're following me? Mm-hmm. The computer will still find mistakes. So that copying, copying is a very difficult thing. I remember when I was a, a student, they gave a course, with, like, like when you, uh, um, that the mistakes that the typists would make when they would type a document, like you give, in my day, you took a, like your handwritten, uh, whatever you wrote, and you gave it to a typist. And the typist could type 80 words a minute, 100 words a minute, some unbelievable number of words with tremendous accuracy and it was always full of mistakes when you got it back. Because, physiologically, uh, it's very difficult to keep yourself under control. Like when you see words that in your mind usually form a certain phrase, so you just sort of just continue, like, like uh, you're unconscious, you're typing, but you're unconscious, and you, and you type in the phrase that you're used to typing in. So even today, even today, getting a Torah that is absolutely accurate, 
is, is a big enterprise. It's not, not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. Better, you take your money and build buildings. Hmm. You know, that's, nothing happens to them. The buildings, they just stand there. The sacred terror is, is very difficult. So, uh, there were docks in the time of Ezra, which were used to erase things. But here, here is the only place in the Torah where you have two nuns facing like the opposite way, one at the beginning of Tupsukim and one at the end of Tupsukim. We don't, uh, we don't, uh, we don't see it any place else. But as an aside, I tell you that in Tehillim, Perikus Zion 107, there are seven reversible, reverse nuns. Tehillim, 107, one chapter of Tehillim, the only chapter that has this feature. Seven reverse nun. And what did the seven reverse nun uh, uh, mean? I haven't got a clue. Not a clue, and not a half of a clue. And so let's get back to our two uh, uh, nun and see if we can figure out what they do, or what they are here for. What? Are you representing the Yeah. Not here. Not in this village. Okay. So here we have the Tuxukim. You see that by Even though you all know this and you could sing it, if you look at the words you will see that they are difficult. What is it that these Tuxukim are relating to. So let's look first at Rashi. Rashi says, by even so our, our own, you see the Rashi? Mm-hmm. The left side of the page, Asalo Simaniyot Milapanav In the Torah, there are Simaniyot. I know the kids are Simaniyot. There's something. Like something to the sticker. What? Bookmark. A bookmark is a Simaniyot. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. Simaniyot. <laughs> Like it's, uh, you put it into the page and he keeps the page somehow. So that's Simaniyo. He says, Lomar she'ein zemikomo. It's to remind us that these two psukim don't belong here. So where do they belong? Where do they belong here? And you know that Rashi says many times, Ein mukdam umuchar batura. Which means that even though the Torah is not, in this place, is not written chronologically, you don't have to get excited about it. But it's not chronological. Rashi generally does not explain why the deviation from chronology took place. He doesn't say, doesn't say why. Here, he's talking about something that sounds to be similar. This, these two psukim belong someplace else in the Torah. So the, the nunim come to remind me that they don't belong here. Okay, so they don't belong here, so where do they belong? The Lama, the Khan, Raji says, so how come these two psukim are stuck in here? Kedei lahafsik ben puranut ben puranut, these are the words of the Gemara. In order to distinguish between one terrible situation and another terrible situation. So, 
Of course, we don't know what, we still don't know what Rashi is referring to. What terrible situations, what two terrible situations are being distinguished. Then Rashi says, Ki de'ita b'kol kitvei ha'kodesh. Kol kitvei ha'kodesh is the name of Perik. In the Gemara and Shabbos. Right, that kuftes zayin. Kuftes zayin of Aleph. This is, so this is a quote. Rashi says, I'm quoting the Gemara. I'm quoting the Gemara. Okay. Then the Pasuk says, Vayom Hashem, Kuma Hashem. Kuma Hashem. What a terrible thing to say. You know, like, God, stand up. And what sort of thing is that? Is that Moshe Rabbeinu could conjure up? So Rashi says, Kuma Hashem, Lufi Shayam Maktim Lifnehem, Malash Loshet Yemin. That God led them. They were leading the people in the desert in the, the guise of a cloud or the guise of a, of a pillar of fire, right? In one or the other. God, or the pillar of fire, was ahead of them. Three days. Three days ahead of them. Hayam Moshe Omer, Amod, V'hamtein Lanu, Al Tetrachet Yotem. So Moshe Rabbeinu would say, Kuma Hashem, not stand up, but Stop. That's how Rashi explains it. Stop and let us catch up to you. Let us catch up to you. Now, I don't know if this is optimistic or pessimistic or good or bad and why was God three so far ahead of them and why did Moshe Rabbeinu have to say, wait, all of this is not indicated in the Rashi. Rashi just tells us that this idea is found in the Medrash Tanchuma Vivayakim. Right? The end of the end of Shema. <coughs> so now, that's Kuma Hashem. Uh, then the next words in the Pasuk of Yafutsu that we know are the enemies. Yafutsu is like they'll blow up. Right? Tsatsa, the word in modern Hebrew. Right? Yafutsu Oivet. Rashi, Ha Mechunatsim. The ones who came together to take a stand against you. Right? We're talking about those as that enemy. That enemy. The concept goes on and says, Right? The ones who hate you. The ones who means they're going to run away. The ones who hate you will run away. So Rashi says, they're the ones who are chasing after us. Chasing after us. Mitzan Echa, Rashi says, Eilu Sonei Yisrael, these are the ones who hate the Jewish people. Shekola Sonei Yisrael, Sonei Et Misha Amar Olam. Everybody who hates the Jews, hates God. So that's why it says in the Pasuk, V'yafutu Aivecha, speaking to God, your enemies. V'yanusu Mitzan Echa, those who hate you, God. Mipanecha. Vianusu misan echa mipanecha. Everybody who hates the Jewish people also hates God. You know, it's obviously according to the Rashi, this is an unacceptable anthropomorphism. This is when he's talking to God as though God was nervous about the enemy or, 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 or unclear about the role that he was to play. So the Rashi modifies it a little bit, makes it easier for us, makes it easier for us to swallow. 
So, what do we know now? What do we know now? We know that according to Rashi, Ain Zed Mekomot. But we don't understand why it is here. So why are these two psukim here? So Rashi says it comes, it's from the Gemara, right? Rashi says it comes to separate Puranut from Puranut. Puranut A is some terrible event that happened to the Jewish people. Puranut B is also some terrible event that happened to the Jewish people. Now we know that following these two psukim are recorded two terrible things. One is why he name, right? That the, the, the nation started complaining. The Torah doesn't even tell us what they were complaining about. Uh, what? They're complaining about their situation. What was their situation? I mean, I don't. I didn't put on the sheet. I figure you all know this by heart. No? Just a second. Ah, you're almost, you're almost right. Where is it? This is That's good, I like that. That's a Jewish reference. I mean, the prakim and the and the psukim are not Jewish, but the the but the division into aliyot is Jewish. But nobody that's too difficult to remember. But he remembers. So you have the two psukim, right? Rashi doesn't relate. It doesn't uh, explain the second pasuk. When, when, when addressed, Yomar, Shua Hashem Revot Al-Tayisra, but Rashi does say something. Rashi does say something. Now, after that, the next pasuk is V'yehi Ha'avkimit Onenim. They, they complained. They, they were complaining. Complaining. It doesn't say what they complained about. <laughs> But then, Pasuk Dala, the next paragraph, it talks about the Asaf Suf. You know the Asaf Suf? Who are they? You know, the guys who, there's always, always people who want to get in on it. You know, they want to get in, they, they realized somehow that the Jews were getting a good deal, and they came along. The Asaf Suf. What about the Asaf Suf? They were really hungry. And and Vayivku Gam B'nei Yisrael Yirum Miya Achilenu Basar. So there are two tragic events that happen after these two psukim. And the two tragics, the first is that Vayyad Kedmit Onenin, and the second is that they Tavu Ta'avah, that they that they Asafsuf Hitavu. There were two groups. There was the 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 group of. Uh, of Mitoninim, and there was a group of the Ta'ava, and they were punished. <coughs> but we don't know of a similar tragedy that precedes these two psukim. Though that wasn't there. I mean, Rashi didn't explain it, but we could wonder about it. So, to answer that question, you have to look at the Rambam. 
So the Ramban, it's a bit, a bit uh, tiresome, but we're going to do it. So first the Ramban quotes Rashi. Rashi says, this parsha is there, it's put here to separate above from below. Above Puranut. Below Puranut. That's what it says in the, in the Gemara. So the Ramban says, Below Purishmanu Harav, Mahapuranut, Hazot, Shutrakla Sikva. She says, Rashi didn't explain to us what it was he's referring to. He just says it's a Puranut. But he doesn't say what the Puranut is. And he doesn't say. Kiloni Skarkan, the Katu, Puranut, called the Vahidit Soharon, because they just, we would like Rashi to tell us, because there is no Puranut. That is described in the Torah before these two psukim of Ayyibin Soharon. Right? It just isn't there. It's true the Gemara says it, but you know, the Ramban, it's easier for the Ram to blame it on, the, on Rashi than to blame it on the Gemara. But in any event, the Ramban thought that if Rashi is going to copy the Gemara, he should at least tell us what the Gemara is talking about. Right? Now, we will show that Gemara Sham. Right? That the Gemara itself mentions the second Puranut, that they complain. Again, what are we doing here? What are we doing here in the middle of the, of the desert? We're not any place. We're not here. We're not there. So they complain. Puranut Rishonah, and the Puranut Rishonah, is at the beginning, uh, further back in this parasha, where it says that the Jews left parasha. So they left parasha, that could mean a lot of different things. That could mean that they were so happy that they wanted to move up on to the next level. It could also mean they, they, they got sick and tired of being with God all the time, and they wanted to move on to some place where they took credit cards. That's what they wanted. So according to the Gemara, according to the Rambam, that's the Puranut, Vayisumi Har Hashem. Vamar Rabbi Hanina in the Gemara, Melamed Shesaru Machare Hashem. That when they left Har Sinai, they left because they didn't want to be there. And not because they were going someplace better. They just didn't want to be there. The Katav Harad, the Tayyim Shav Sham, there in Kosovo Gimel, the Tal Shloshet Yamim the Masa'ah. That, that this, these psukim about the, the mitoninim and about the ta'avanim, the asafsuf, they took place three days after Vayisumi Harashet. In other words, that was the result. Since they didn't want to be with God, they want to be with God, so they started complaining. It was like a natural uh, 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 response or a natural continuation. First they said, get us out of here. Right? We don't want to be in High Sinai anymore. And then they complained. And then they looked for meat and, and, and other things like that. Didn't they only travel because the Anand moved? Who? The Anand moved. That's the reason they moved. 
Yeah, but the question is, no, I understand. You're certainly correct. But what was the attitude? Were they happy that they were moving? Or were they unhappy that they were moving? Did they see the move as getting closer to God? Or did they see the move as getting far away? So there is this stream of interpretation that's found in the Gemara. That this was a bad, that the reason the Torah describes it in this way is because it was really a bad thing. It was not a good thing. So you have a tashin. It's a good, you know, but, but certainly this is what the Gemara says, right? He's not making it up. Be'u divrei teima, he said. He says, I don't understand this line of reasoning. Either Rambam doesn't understand this line of reasoning. Sharei pur'anut, he ankimit onenim, tuvar rishona. The shel ta'avar, shniya, ushnehen sluchot, he said, how did you, he said, after all, if you look after the two psukim, first you have Nidoninim, then you have Asapsuk, and there's Svuchot. Svuchot means they lean one on the other. They come right next to, right next to each other. Maybe Rashi thought that these parashiyot were written incorrectly, and one of them should be before, by even so our own, and one after. Rev is Allah Rishona, Ba'amrom, Mehar Hashem. He says the first one is Mehar Hashem. Kishema Ta'ut, I have a sniffa, Kishema Me'ethnes Am, Chashvu La'asot Kev. From the time that they left Har Sinai, they were already thinking about complaining about the food that they weren't getting. They're already thinking about, uh, uh, about that. They seek First he wrote the second thing, and then he wrote the second Puranut, and then he went back and wrote the first Puranut. How did you say that about the Torah? That first the second part was written, and the first part is written, the Ramban. The Ramban was a great fan of order, and he disagreed wherever he could that the Torah was written in a disorderly fashion. And therefore, the Ramban always argues with Rashi about this point. Rashi says, meaning, so it's not in order. So what? What difference does it make? The Torah has a different message. The Ramban will always save the order. He can't understand how anybody can imagine that the Torah would be written in a disorderly fashion. I can't. Rainbow says, Tamarat, Hulinyana, Madrasha, Zen, He says, I'll explain this language to you based on another Agdada, Shemasu Mehar Sinai, Bissimcha, Ketino, Chaboreach, Mibet Hasekhet. Good, no? He says, The people left Har Sinai with the same joy that children have when they can run away from school. So now you're running away from school. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So it's like, it seems to you to be good for the moment. But the people who have a longer perspective, they know it's not a good thing. Right? So that was what happened at Har Sinai. The people were happy. They're happy to leave. So you could think that they were happy because they were going to Eretz Israel. But no, they were happy because they were leaving Har Sinai. That's what, that's what the Medrash says. 
they really wanted to leave. The whole idea was that the, these two psukim, by Hebrew Sohar, come in between the first Puranut and the second and third. Because now, according to the Ramban, there are three, right? By Yisuma HaRashem, that's one. And, uh, and, mit <coughs> the complainers, that's two. And the Asafsuf, that's three. And says, so you know what, three. You know, three is a magic number. It makes a good. It makes a chazaka. You know, Shlom Shadwar and Olam Omeid is only three things. The stability. Stability comes from three, right? When your legs go, you need a king. Because three, even for people whose legs don't work so well, but the king gives them stability. It's an amazing thing. I, I, I don't mean unbelievable, but it is interesting. That and the number three always represents for Chazal something very stable. Right? You say Shloshet Vayim Olamol means you want the, the the creation to continue to exist. Three things. Three things. How come Torah is not enough? Not enough. Avodah, not enough. Can we look Chasadim by itself? Also not enough. That's Shimon Atadik, right? Shloshet Varim Olam Omeg. But you need all three. It, it may be, it may be that we are mistaken. Well, I won't say that. Let me retract that. It may be that we are overstating the case when we think that our, that we can continue exist with only one leg. Right? I mean, that's part of Torah education today is about how the length of Torah is sufficient. That's the, that's the basic point of the Torah education. Like what should you do? Learn more Torah. And, and, and the world will stand. Even though Shimon Atzadik didn't think so. He thought you need three. You need three legs. Also, at the end of the first paragraph, Shimon Gamliel has a different uh, idea of what the three things are, but he also says that there are three things. There are three things, three three mitzvot that produce stability. There are tariyad mitzvot. I mean, the tariyad mitzvot, 613 mitzvot may be there in order to guarantee that we get sakhar, uh, we get reward, all of those things. But if you want to think about the world, the world needs at least uh, uh, three supports. And according to Shema Tzadik, Torah, Avodah, and Yerimut Chasadim, it's a different, and therefore, What's you the know, issue of having three back to back? I don't know. I mean, but three is like a serious what number. That, what, I don't understand what that means. I get three. three is that a, it's that an ayin that if there would be three? Yeah, I guess. I, mean, I don't like ayin hara. No, no, no. What, what does that mean? Three three reality. So when he he says, "Puranut rishonav v'sik shelo yishalosh puranot smufot zol zol v'nimtzu 
Mukhzakim de Pur Anut. So there you are. Mukhzakim de Pur. There is this idea. Well, if you, if you compare it to a cow, it means the expectation. Like the difference in the show of Tom and the show of Mu'ad is that in the show of Mu'ad you have an expectation that he's going to do it again. And therefore you have to watch, you have to be watchful. If, if historically that's what happened, that they sin back to back to back. No, but the Torah. Not, why Torah not report it's it? Own, it's so the suggestion world. is let's not report that accurately. No, no, we put it, we're just not going to put them all together. Okay, let's not, to each other. I'm saying let's not report it accurately. That's that not accurately? It's not accurate. It was back No, I know that it was Now when I read the Torah... I just don't want to put it in the Torah. I know. The Chazal told me. They're right, all back to back. I don't want to in the news that way because I'll, I'll, let's put a commercial in between. We don't want it to appear three in a row. All right. Right. That's what it is. Because, because the appearance of things in the Torah creates its own reality. It's not just uh, a sub-reality of... Uh, of something of, of the world, it's it's its own reality. So not only did you do these three pur on the yoke, but puranus becomes part of the nature of Am Yisrael, and you don't want that to be caused by the Torah. Even though the, the Gemara doesn't, that's against the Gemara, because the Gemara says it's two puraniyot, and the Ramban is arguing three. Right. He, he says that the Gemara means the two puraniyot refer to the ones. After this keeps the pit. The third one. Two. No, yeah, it does, but he says that's not what it means. Right. It's a different, a different shot. So, so we, we sort of, uh, uh, <coughs> so we've sort of come up with a, a bit of an answer to the question of what the, um, what these psukim are doing here. Right, the Rashi said these two psukim are out of place. And he doesn't really explain to us what the idea is, except that, because he says to separate Puranut from Puranut, but he doesn't tell us what the Puranut is. The Ramban completes Rashi and tells us that the three Puran, that the two Puraniyot are really three. One is that they left Har Hashem, and the other is the Mit Onanim, and the third is the Asaf Suf. But we don't really know why these two psukim were used. I mean, you could have put in Gracious for Elohim with the Shabbat with the Aretz, Rav's like that, Tovavo, etc. And just stick it in there. And then I would say, oh, this is really odd. And then I look at the Gemara, and the Gemara say, Lahabdil be Puranut, the Puranut. I say, oh, okay. Now I know. And now I know because there was a. But why put in. But what are these two psukim? I mean, well, if it's gracious for a little kid, I know that those psukim are out of place, they don't belong here, but this, these two psukim, I'm not so sure about. So, I want to, I mean, you'll learn there about the Rabbah on your own. The answer to my mind, the answer to my mind is as follows. Uh, the answer to all the questions, all the questions that have to be answered. The answer is that, uh, if you could say such a thing about the Torah, the end of the Torah, the end of the Torah of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, let's say, is the last parasha in the book of Ayikra. Bechukotai. Bechukotai. 
contains the agreement between HaKadosh Baruch and B'nai Yisrael about entering into Eretz Yisrael. That's the parish of the Fukotan. Reishit Shvot Vayikra, the land of Vayikra. The beginning of Bamidbar is kind of an add-on to this idea that ends in Vayikra. And it tells us how many Jews there were Yosei Tzavah. Why do you want to know Yosei Tzavah? Because you're going to fight. You're going to Eretz Yisrael and you know that in Eretz Canaan you might have to fight. Also, also it teaches us about the order, the, camp, the encampment of the Jews around the Ol Moed. Right, three tribes on each side in a kind of a square. And it teaches us more than that how the Jews marched from that camp to wherever they were going. Right, to wherever they were going. Where were they going? Where they were going? They were going to Eretz Israel. How did they march to Eretz Israel? The Chumash says, the Aaron Kodesh went first and the tribes followed. How was it during the desert, during the punishment in the desert, the 38 years in the desert? The Aaron Kodesh was in the middle. Right? In other words, there were six tribes. Aaron Kodesh and another six tribes. Okay? I'll do this again. When B'nai Yisrael marched after Matan Torah, after the book of Ayikra, in the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, the Jewish people marched in the direction of Eretz Yisrael, and the battle with Eretz Yisrael, who was first? Who went? The Aram Kodesh was first. The Mishkan went first. After the punishment, when they were punished to stay in the desert for 38 years and they moved 14 times, <coughs> how, <coughs> how did they march? With the Aram in the middle. Right? Six tribes first, then the Aron, then the middle. So that there's a difference, there's a difference between the marching to a goal, which might include a battle, a war, and draining around. You know, draining around, that's what the Jews did in the desert. They went from here to there, they circled and circled again, they didn't get anywhere. When you don't get anywhere, you don't have to be led by the Aaron Kodesh. But you have to rather protect the Aaron Kodesh from any possible uh, uh, oppression. So listen again. The end of the book of Ayikra is the covenant. The covenant is the last thing that has to happen before the Jews go to Eretz Israel. The beginning of Bamidbar, Bamidbar and Nosov, those two parashiyot, contain counting the tribes, they contain how they camped, and how they moved, and also the Chanukat HaMitzbeach, right, the dedication of the Mitzbeach in the Mishkan by the Nisiyin. And all of that makes you ready, makes you ready to go to Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> now we who were here last year we went to shul last year so we know that the parasha of Shlach 
put an end to that dream. When the Miraglin, the spies, went to Eretz Yisrael, they came back and they said, don't go. And the people listened. They thought that they were right. So that the going to Eretz Yisrael, going to Eretz Yisrael, came to an end. They weren't going anymore. They were going to stay in the desert for 38 years. Now let's look at the psukim again. You see this psukim? Uh, I say, on the way to Eretz Yisrael, Vayom Moshe Kuma Hashem, stand up for us, Vyafuzo Evecho, and destroy the enemy. Where's the enemy? Where are these enemies that the Psukim are talking about? In Eretz Kenan. Those are the enemies because we're going to Eretz Kenan. When the, when the ark rests, it's, we, we say, Shuba Hashem. We revolt Alfei Yisrael. We want to be included in the Balei Tshuva, in the world of Balei Tshuva. We want everybody, we want to excel, we want this war, this going to Eretz Kedad to purify us and to cleanse us and to <coughs> do away with, to do away with whatever baggage we have on the way to Eretz Kedad. These two psukim are written here because that's exactly where they belong. The two nunim are written to tell us that it never happened. These two psukim, which introduce B'nai Yisrael on its way to Eretz Kenan, they were written, they were known, they were studied by Moshe Rabbeinu and the people, but they were never, it never happened. Where didn't it happen? Right here. Right here. Because these psukim say that the Vayisum HaRashem was somehow forgiven. The Avera of the Misonimim was going to be forgiven. Kivrotat HaAvai, even though there was a punishment, would also be forgiven. But the Nunim say it never happened because of the Parsha of Shlach Lecha. So you see that these two psukim these two psukim are misplaced, but not because they're not chronological. They're misplaced because they never happened. These psukim were never said, the Medrash says that they said this when they entered Eretz Yisrael with Yoshua bin Nun. That's what they said by Ibn Sohara. But here, misplaced, because this is where they should have said it. But they didn't say it. And the reason that the Nunam are written in that way is to tell us that it's not written. They, they didn't say it. It wasn't stated at that time. It wasn't stated at that time. So that the course of Jewish history was changed. I remember Rabbi Talavetsu said, I think, I think that the Nun was backwards because instead of history going forward, it's backwards. That's good. <laughs> Wish I said that. But I think that that's what, that, that's what he said, right? The history started to go backwards. 
It looks like a person walking back. No. So, so, but I think, what I, what I said is, that it just never happened. That's why it's misplaced. It's the right sukim. It's in the right place. That's the place of these sukim before they march on into Eretz Israel. And all is forgiven. It doesn't mean, as you said, that there's some kind of an eye of horror involved here. But lahasrid meaning, we'll handle this one, we'll handle that one. It's all, it's all uh, not relevant to the essential promise that a Kodesh Baruch made to bring Am Yisrael to Eretz Yisrael. The attack on that promise took place. The attack on that promise took place with the Muradlin. The Muradlin were the ones who changed everything. Changed the world. Right? Even the golden calf, making the golden calf at Har Sinai, because it was, it was, it was dependent on divine forgiveness. Was well, somewhat forgiven, uh, partially forgiven, somewhat forgiven, but but certainly did not stop the forward march to Eretz Israel. The Miraglim, we'll see. The Miraglim were different. They could not be forgiven. They could not be forgiven without a serious, I'll be a very serious punishment. A serious punishment for Miraglim was that everybody who was Yotzeg and Shrai, they all died. They didn't get to savor Eretz Yisrael, right? They, uh, so that the Nunim are reminiscent of the dots, which in later history meant erase it if it should be erased. And if it shouldn't be erased, it's there. You know, this kind of idea that... Uh, that you can do the right thing even though you don't know what the right thing is. So, Nunin uh, say that in a little different way. This is the place that it should have been said, that it would have been said, that it could have been said, but it wasn't said. It wasn't said until Yahushua bin Nun took the Jews into Eretz Yisrael. Um, and so I remind you again, if you want to, it, it's a good, it's a good thing. Listen to Rabbi Salavechik and Balotza. Have a good Shabbos.